Hello, and welcome back to A Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today, we're going to have another very interesting show. I have invited to join me today a dear friend and colleague of mine, Kiara Windwider. Kiara's been on the show before, as well as on the television show here in New York City, and is passing through New York like a beautiful wind, and we managed to stop him for long enough to do a show with him today to talk about work that he's doing and his writing and his teaching. And a lot of it has to do with what we could call our collective future and understanding the larger cycles, the macrocosmic cycles of our galaxy, really our universe, and to which the Earth herself, our beautiful Gaia, is subject And that is going to be largely the subject of today's show of understanding, in many ways, the astrological influences that will be coming to visit us and have been visiting for some time now. But there are certain aspects of them that are gaining in momentum and intensity and things that we are best off being aware of. Kiara is very familiar with this and will be sharing some of his profound understanding with us today. Kiara, just so you know, is an internationally known author and teacher, as well as healer, who is committed to healing, peace, transformation. He is the author of several books, which he'll be speaking about or referencing uh, today, as well as a healing system called uh, Lahinur, and he'll be speaking with us about that too and maybe teach me how to pronounce it correctly as well. So stay tuned because you're going to have a lot of fun and a wonderful uh, ride with our dear friend Kiara. So Kiara, so good to have you back on the airwaves of a better world. Hey Mitchell, it's great to be back. It's great to see you. We've known each other for so many forever. Exactly. A lifetime and more. Very true. And physically in this life, we met in 2004, is it? Yeah. Or five. Yeah. One of those in beautiful Mother India. Yes. In Golden City. Yeah. It was a Golden City when we were there. (laughs) No, it's a beautiful place. Mm. And they're doing wonderful work, or they were back then. We don't know what they're up to now, but the great thing, Kiara, of mm. course, is that you and I met, and your wonderful wife, Grace, and our dear friends, Barry and Karen, and they've been on the show as well. Mm. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the community is coming together, and it's a worldwide network of people, and I feel like we're here because we're called by Gaia. We are. Rina Majid, yes. part of our yeah. group, our yeah. wonderful we should have a physical reunion sometime with all of us. Yes. But I think this is part of what's happening, you know, the cyber community, which includes your listeners, your um, people, you know, people who have been connected with these um, visions, that we can support Gaia in her awakening because we're not separate from her anyway. We're not separate from each other. And, and the more we begin to understand this, and act upon it, we can really begin to transform this world. Um, One thing we talked about was cycles, you know, these interconnected cycles 
uh, we can go back all, all the way out into galactic cycles, uh, which Dr. Paul Laviolet refers to as these galactic superwaves. Every 12 to 15,000 years, there's these um, impulses emanating from the center of our galaxy, which move through the entire Milky Way, through our solar system, affecting cycles within the sun, which then impact upon the Earth through magnetic fields. And, and, and what a, is the effect of that, well, of those larger waves? So one major effect on the entire solar system is that as these uh, galactic cosmic rays sweep through One thing that happens is as these uh, galactic cosmic rays move through our solar system, it begins to infiltrate the solar system with cosmic dust, which then leads to changes within the sun. Um, there's warming cycles as well as cooling cycles generated within the sun. And just like the Earth, uh, sorry, just as the sun has an 11-year inversion cycle uh, where its magnetic fields flip, so does the Earth, uh, except that the Earth's magnetic field flips in about every 12,000 years rather than 11 years. So it's a slower cycle and seems to be one of the cycles that... Isn't that curious that the Sun, which is so many, many times larger than the Earth, mm. would flip every 11, whereas we so much slower? It has to do with the nature of the magnetic fields. Mm -hmm. And the, the Earth's magnetic fields actually are interconnected. There's cycles... Uh, there's fields that are deep within the Earth, within the magma. There's fields which are more on the surface. I see. There's fields further out in the atmosphere, the stratosphere, how they interact they with each other. may relate to some of the density. The density as well as the, the material. Yes, yes. And the interconnection between them and the periodicity. Yes. So these, like, these fields are actually changing right now very, very rapidly, it's an exponential collapse. And as that collapse, well, the magnetic fields are dropping. So from in their intensity, in their intensity, mm -hmm. and also the direction of the polarity. So the north-south yes. axis is changing, and the the intensity is dropping. And so this seems to be typical before an actual reversal process. So there's a weakening and then a reversal. Okay, so that's kind of standard operating procedure. So that's periodic. Per and you can predict reversal. exactly when that happens. Okay. But what this happens is astronomical information. Astronomical. In now, astrologically speaking, there yes. are smaller cycles. I would love for you to share with what you were sharing mm. with me earlier about Pluto and 2024. Right. I would love for the audience to hear Yeah, that. this is fascinating because... You know, those of you who are living in the United States and are tied in with the with the American dream and the American karmic uh, focus, um, Pluto has a 248-year cycle around the sun. This nation was founded in, 19, in 1776, and you add 248 to that, and you have 2024. So the nature of Pluto... Let me get my calculator out for this. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. I take your word yeah. for it. <laughs> so Pluto has to do with uh, death, rebirth, transformation. Uh, you can look at it through many different la layers of interpretation. 
Well, one one thing that is um, important for us to remember is that it's a balancing of karma also. So whatever has been part of the karmic history of Uh-oh. the United States. Exactly. <laughs> now you're making you me know? nervous. So going all the way back to Columbus and the way that this nation has treated Native American people, the black African slaves, uh, the U.S. wars of imperialism around the world. The Chinese, the Japanese, the Hispanic, exactly. you name it. Exactly, and its own people. You know, absolutely. The and it's just one thing after another. They're materially poor right now. Right. God in, forbid in cities, you should be deemed America. an immigrant, even though we all are. Exactly. So, what's the karmic um, response to this? Mm-hmm. What's the karmic debt? Mm-hmm. And it's not just that you know it's it's punishment. You know, that's one definition of karma, but it's actually redressing the wrongs and creating something that serves the whole rather than just serving the self. This is what karma is about. It's it's an evolutionary path to uh, wholeness. It is not punishment at all. That is a pure moral overlay on it. Exactly. Uh, It's a human anthropogenic notion. What is true, I believe, is that it is, as you said, a redressing. It's a natural balancing act. Do unto others as you would like them to do unto you actually has a Mm. basis in physics with for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction. And even the idea of others and yourself is also a dualistic concept which which, uh, perpetrates this idea of karma. Because it does. <clears throat> in truth, That's there's no other, point. there's no self. You know, when we look at the living system of Gaia, we're looking at a, a wholeness. Systems. It's a systemic awareness where all things belong to everything else. You know, just like yes. Chief Seattle in his yes. beautiful speech says, man doesn't, you know, the earth does not belong to man. Man belongs, belongs to the to earth. The earth. And we belong to the community of the earth, which includes innumerable species um, and what what have we done to Gaia? And what have we done to ourselves? What have we done to our home? What have we done to our own soul? You know, these are questions sure. that are also represented by Pluto and the return of Pluto. So what I sense is that it's not just about punishment. That may be one layer. It's not of it. about pun- I don't. I don't. It's even, about returning to the idea of Gaia. I wouldn't even want to use Gaia. that notion. Because it's it's just it it's a, I think a very it's false duality notion yeah it's as I said it's a moralistic overlay what it it feels like punishment when you are being brought to awareness of what one has done the projections the delusions the right. illusions the projections and projections so over time. But it feels like punishment, but from a larger cosmic natural nature, Gaia point of view, it's not punishment, it's it's a balancing out. It's a balancing of out of and it's like the same event that could be seen negatively can also be seen positively. Exactly. You know, so the same thing that could be interpreted as punishment could be a cleansing, it could be a purification, and it could be um a rebirth of human consciousness, Gaia consciousness, social consciousness, spiritual consciousness. It's about even a biological change that can happen 
as we as we begin to wrap around our, what Pluto represents, because Pluto is not just death; it's also transformation, it's also rebirth, it's also awakening, and this is what our planet so badly needs right now. So we as humans remember a true place on this earth, not just being a cancer that continues to, you know, wipe out our only home. Um, but also, what is that true place within Gaia as part of the nervous system of the Earth, where we can access these cosmic frequencies, bring them through our bodies, bring that unified light through us to the Earth. Sri Aurobindo refers to the supramental um, mm-hmm. descent of light. This is uh, an awareness that hasn't been seen on this Earth for very long, if, at least not collectively. And the possibility of a collective evolution and transformation also is part of this Pluto return. So I see it with, with eyes of hope. You know, if we if we continue the way we're going, Gaia will adapt anyway, but it may not be as smooth and as pleasant for humanity. But if we can actually take responsibility and own our true place within Gaia and begin to respond to Pluto in the way that Pluto also is the rebirth, you the know, awakener. Kiara, earlier when you were sharing this with me, this brilliant, wonderful, and important knowledge, I mentioned Mars and Capricorn, and it was Pluto. Mars. Oh, no, it okay. is. I, I'm, it's coming back. It right. was Mars that I meant to say. Ah. It was Mars, um, and that was the cycle having to do with um, emptying out what isn't standing in integrity. This is Mm. what I learned from my Mm. uh, dear astrologer friend, Monty Taylor, who's also been on the show many times. And whatever, as I was saying, whether it's an institution like government, a corporation, a church, what have you, it gets, uh, no pun intended, windblown, windswept, Mm. (laughs) and and cleansed because it does not have the integrity to stand. So literally, like a building Mm -hmm. or, you know, an emotional building, a a social system. And it gets cleansed out. And so people could bemoan that and say, well, I'm being punished if they're looking at it from the point of view of the small self. But the reality is it's just a neutralizing and nature Mm -hmm. is coming back into harmony with something that has been out of balance. Out of balance. Well, the Incas have this beautiful term, Pachacuti. And what that means is that turning around uh, uh-huh. so because we have been turned upside down already it's about turning right side up again wonderful yeah so so all the earth changes all consciousness changes everything that pluto represents that could be seen as negative it's a turning around to actually bring it right side up a again a new start a absolutely new start. and that's what you're saying it's so like a reset of the computer system and uh, even more profound, actually, is what this um, begs us to do, which was implied in what you were saying about death and rebirth. And so we're obliged to open up our understanding of this notion of death mm. as some form of end instead of what it truly is, which it's is a, a... Well, it's a transformation. It's a literal disintegration of elements Mm. into the earth to become food for the 
the next series of living beings. Right. So that's what happens to the body. Well, as long as you're identified with the body, death is seen as something physical. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. So death in some in many ways is from the higher point of view is a misnomer. Mm. It's not actual. It's a tra- literally a transformation and we can track it um scientifically. You know, the carbon goes to carbon, the earth, you know, the hydrogen to hydrogen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and it becomes part of the soil. And that's what it's supposed to do. There's nothing wrong with it. Then we look of course at the love and the life of the soul which has its own diversity and dynamic. So maybe right. you can pick up well, on I that. Well, I want to add something to that. Yeah. You know, people talk about the soul, which is important, but there's some an aspect that uh, is not much known, known as the elemental spirit. Yes. So the human soul and the elemental spirit actually co-inhabit the body ever since conception. But we are aware more in our personality is based on the human soul, but the invisible and um, unconscious aspect of the elemental governs most of our lives, you know, beyond our, our conscious awareness. Mm-hmm. And this is mm-hmm. this is most of what how how we uh, are influenced by the world around us is through the subliminal world of the elemental kingdoms. So our relationship with nature. Yes. As you know, when uh, when we are in contact with the elemental self, and when we have a healthy relationship with it, then our connection with nature is so much richer. Mm. Our connection with each other, our connecting with connection with the soul of Gaia, and also with our own human soul, is so it's much a richer. Continuum, frankly. It's a continuum. So when we were speaking earlier about the original purport of Findhorn, that mm. wonderful little fishing village in the north of Scotland, which I visited in the year 2000, and I interviewed its founder, Eileen Caddy, oh. before she passed mm. in her living room, which was wonderful. Uh, the story of Findhorn, of course, is that the devas, the elementals of the land, were speaking, communicating with the Findhorn residents, right. the farmers, and say, we need more water right. over here and a little sunshine, please, over there. You know, yeah. and, I mean, I'm being playful with it, but it was that mm. idea that there was a true rapport between the earth creatures, so to speak, the elementals, and this other finer level, this other dimension, mm. and the earth and the human realm. Mm. And this isn't something new. You know, the indigenous right. people have been connecting and communicating with all the elemental spirits of nature Absolutely. as part of their being. You know, they were never separate as we have and become. And, you know, an excellent point. And it was really, you could look at Newton, who, interestingly, was a very religious man and mm. an alchemist, I believe. And then Descartes, who helped to promote the separation of man and nature, Mm. and the Catholic Church weighed in here, too, of separating science from spirituality. And when you start looking at all of these divisions, that separated man from God, and therefore man from the elementals. Mm. And so there started to be this left-brain emergence.
emergence, if you will, as salient and superior over our, if you don't mind my using this as a uh, frame, our right-brained, intuitive, natural tendency toward being open to all life forms and all dimensions. Mm, exactly. Does that resonate with your... Sure, and every creature on this earth, except for humans, have an awareness of that. Um, I spend so a lot of time swimming with dolphins when I'm in Egypt, in the Red Sea. And when you're with them, it's like there's a direct communication that happens heart to heart, soul to soul, body to body. That has no, um, there's no, there's no match. There's no no. <laughs> there's there's like no, this is not possible. Beingness, you know, and <clears throat> they don't see themselves as dolphins. Just like, you know, we identify with being human, we identify with a history, with a personality, with a name, with a memory. And to them, it's like they are part of this infinite flow of life. Isn't that amazing? There's no separation. They don't see themselves in any way as separate from Gaia, separate from the universe. And that can be transmitted. And just as we can when we are in touch with our total self. So when I say total self, I'm referring to the elemental spirit, I'm referring to the human soul, I'm referring to Gaia, I'm referring to cosmic awareness. All of this together, when we can merge those aspects of ourselves, then we become Gaia. There's no separation. I feel within myself... Recognize, I would put it this way, recognize that we are Gaia. Yes. We became... Or we recognize our um, already connection. That's what I meant. As Gaia, we don't. We're not becoming. We already are. Yeah, but we're now recognizing. are recognizing that we are. Yeah, just like you know, people have this myth about enlightenment. I knew you that were you going to <laughs> You know, it's like what you realize. What friends get to do read each other's minds. Yeah, I mean we. We are I do exactly <laughs> where you're going next. <laughs> so you're right, absolutely. this whole myth of enlightenment presupposes that there's a becoming. Yeah. So there's a moment that you're or a not before and an after. Yeah. And all of this in is part time. of uh, linear right. consciousness, the left brain idea yeah. of enlightenment. And you can, you know, once you have that idea of enlightenment, you can sell it to anybody at, you know, whatever amount you are so you want. funny. <laughs> now you're remembering what I said last night when you were flying, watching the beautiful lunar eclipse on an airplane from India to New York. And what I was saying at a gathering at the assemblage I was at last night, a beautiful place I was mentioning to you, mm. hearing uh, Joshua Pollock and Sharon Salzberg mm. speak about meditation, Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was saying just what you are saying. It's uh, mm, mm. so funny. Yeah, and when you so don't you need... out of the airplane into my mind, Kiara, and you plucked it out and shared it here. And that's the whole, you know, that's, that's the beauty of awareness when there's no boundaries, no borders, there's no separation between different aspects of consciousness. When, you, when you're free... So you're out of the matrix. It's the matrix that keeps us trapped in the idea of duality where you're not the conditioned what you've mind always been. In effect, as the Upanishads have yeah, been telling the us. The conditioned so mind is the matrix. Yes. 
Exactly. And, you know, we are so trapped in that that we don't even realize that we are trapped. That's the illusion. You know, the illusion is in the material world. The illusion is in physical matter. That's the playground of spirit. Why would we want to be somehow, you know, pushing that out of our awareness? I'm so glad you're putting it that way because that is another illusion, that the illusion is the material world. The Taoist, but you you sound very much like a Taoist, by the way, and you sound very much like a Native American Indian (laughs) because you are both. You are both. Because what you're sharing Mm. is very much the Taoist cosmology. I'm saying that because the illusion is that spirit and matter are separate from each other. Are separate from each other. When they one is a refinement of the other, it's just a a more spacious the the spirit is. Mm. There's you know you can really get down to it and say there's more space between the molecules. Well, you You know, know this is something that is changing in in science now. Um, for ever since Newton, the paradigm that's shaped science is the gravitational model of the universe, yes. where things are attracted to each other through gravitation, which is actually a very weak force, uh, comparatively. Well, as you leave the density of Earth, it becomes more weak, right? Yeah, and the idea that things are he- um, held together in the great big structure of the universe through gravitation... No, it's Elmer's glue. I thought you knew that. Yeah, it's very weak. And now the electrical universe model, for instance, is uh, proposing, is that it's not gravitation, it's electrical fields that are primary. They're like, you know, 30 billion, 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 billion times stronger than gravitational energies. And if you see how... And it has the same effect as gravitation? Yeah, electricity creates gravitational fields. And, I mean, this is really profound. There's a YouTube channel, The Thunderbolts Project, Walt Thornhill and David Talbot and many others who go into this in great detail. And And this electrical universe theory brings things together into unity consciousness so much easier when you understand it. So when you're talking about everything being connected to everything through these electrical fields... It's also saying that there is no beginning of time or beginning of space because the form and the formless are constantly moving in and out of each other trillions of times every second. And we are both the visible and the invisible, and form, dark and light matter. Exactly. And so that's creating a huge revolution within science now. Our understanding of ourselves in a in an electrical universe, as opposed to an understanding of ourselves through a gravitational universe, is poles apart from each other. Isn't that And this allows us to actually appreciate ourselves and, and uh, identify with ourselves as cosmic beings, as universal we beings. We can appreciate each other as wonderful electrical impulses. Yeah. Wonderful. No wonder I have uh, such an impulse toward you. <laughs> because there's only one. And there's one big cosmic impulse. There's one big cosmic impulse. You know, impulse. that also accords with this notion. I love this guy. I, I did not hear that formulation. Yeah. Uh, I really appreciate it. It's reminding me of the Buddhist idea, hmm. or I should say it's also found in Buddhist psychology, which is that the universe is basically flipping on 
and flipping off moment to moment. Mm, mm. And that it is our mind that is connecting a sequence of flashes yeah. into a continual reality. It's but like that's those old exactly it's like the old movies. Nickelodeon yeah. where if you do it by hand right. and you go quickly, it looks like a continual strip. But the fact is that it's film segments. or video, I yeah. mean, we have 30 frames per minute. Right. But if you, um, um, I mean, and per second. But if you slow that down, which you can do, mm. you go, wait a minute. Each one is its own distinct yeah. image. Yeah. And when you have that kind of frame-by-frame frame reality, you can observe yourself. You can observe the universe. You can see right through the illusion of time and space and see yourself as creator. There you go. And you can, once you have that vision, that unitive vision, everything is different. Slow it down. That's right. And that means that our mind is controlling Mm. the experience of time. So there's one time that shows up on a clock. Right. That's the, let's call that objective some measure. And then we have the subjective experience of time, which is our ability to, as you're saying, slow down our experience of time so we can see each image for what it is. Right. And remember we are talking about the elemental spirit. Part of the gift of the elemental spirit and making it conscious is that our time sense slows down by itself. Because the elemental spirit's connected directly with the world of nature. Um, And Gaia, as the living system of the Earth, is not locked in linear time. Not at all. Uh, So... You know, Einstein said that time is nature's way of keeping everything from happening at once. Right. That gives you a taste of non-linearity, you know, as a reality. So if we can... Be both linear and non-linear at the same time. Simultaneously. Simultaneously. That's that's a glimpse of what it means to be multidimensional. If it can both be in physical body and in the formless reality at the same time, and be conscious of that, then we are in a space where time doesn't control our lives. It's awareness. Talking about time, it's time to let everyone know that you are listening to A Better World with Mitchell J. Rabin today. We're so glad you're joining us. We have as our guest Kiara Windrider, with whom we are having this very interesting conversation about our collective future and about the nature of reality and new breakthroughs in science and understanding of what the universe actually consists of. What is its operating system, if you will, to be very modern and uh, computer-oriented about it? And uh, it's a kind of inquiry that it's so helpful to do. So it helps to break up our patterns of habitual thinking and gives us a a window into uh, perhaps a larger perspective on what the nature of reality really is. Please remember that we are on the air as well every Monday evening on community television in New York City, in Manhattan. But if you do not happen to live in New York, and I know many of you do not, you live in 
far-flung places such as Australia and even India. Actually, we have a we have an audience in India these days. Mm. Um, Mexico, UK, Europe, South America, Canada. Our dear friends in Canada, despite what you know, different administrators think, you are our friends, Canadians. Please know, and um, we can. Uh, invite you to listen to the TV and watch the TV show by just going to our website, www.abetterworld.tv, abetterworld.tv. So just so thank you for joining us as always, and please share this with your friends and family. Uh, We really appreciate it. So now we're going to go back to our conversation with Kiara and continue on in our understanding. So, Kiara, I'd like to pick up on this two things. One is talking about scientific breakthrough, is the understanding that we now have and even the utter verification of the communication that takes place between trees and takes place between plants. Now, the work of Peter Tompkins and the Secret Life of Plants goes back to the early 1970s. And so we have had graphic scientific verification of these relationships. But as time has gone on, there has been more monitoring of nature, um, beyond our own nature, that is. And uh, we've seen, in a sense, how rather elegant and elaborate these communications are. That these aren't just communications saying, hi, it's a lovely day, Mm. but you need water? I've got water. I'm getting it to you. Mm. So processes of osmosis, for instance, um, and other means by which they are communicating and sharing. So you could say that there is a level of kindness and generosity. I know that may sound anthropogenic, but um, I think it's more than that. I think there are certain principles and virtues inherent in Gaia that are spread far beyond the human community. And that's a very interesting Mm. point. Well, to me, a a beautiful depiction of this is that movie Avatar. So just as we have Gaia representing our planet, we have Pandora, you know, representing this other world, which um, the Na'vi are the the blue-skinned people that they're in harmony with other forms of life in a very, very... Um, intimate, intimate way. Intimate way. And how do they do this? It's through the uh, the ponytails, whatever yeah, the they call it. the knots on the head yeah. or what have you. And yeah. they just link in directly to whatever yes. form of life they're communicating with. Right. And there's the tree of souls. And, and, it, this, and it appears electrical, by the way. That relationship yes, yes. is electrical. And the tree of souls includes all the life forms mm. on that particular planet. And you can attune to the tree of souls. And what the Incas and other indigenous people would say is that this tree of life that we carry in our own being, through the spine, through a connection deep into the earth, high into the sky, which is our own personal tree of soul, this can connect us with the consciousness of Gaia, where we actually see ourselves as a co-creator with Gaia. So when we're going through this evolutionary process, we're talking about our collective future. We're not just talking about doing something for Gaia. 
but doing something with Gaia, as Gaia, you know, really penetrating into the deep heart of Gaia in a way that mm-hmm. our intentions, our thoughts, our prayers become the next evolution. Yes, that we are really shaping So we are connecting it. with a level of the mind yes. far beyond the linear mind. Correct. We are connecting with our cellular mind, we are connecting with the mind of Gaia, with the neosphere that yes. Salah Deshadan talks about, we are t- connecting with the supramental levels of the mind, Shri as Sri Aurobindo speaks about. So, you know, biologically, we are moving from the caterpillar to the butterfly. Very true. Uh, very true. And, um, and this I is think something the emphasis needs to be as Gaia, because mm-hmm. it's a little mind-boggling for people to actually get that we we have been so conditioned to think of nature as outside of ourselves, mm, yes. than as ourselves an intrinsic aspect of nature and expression of nature, and. This is one of the problems. And even the Bible talks about dominion over nature. Mm. That is interpreted as a purely external idea. As God itself, or I should say herself, is considered also external. Mm. But when asked of a Christian or a Jew, they'll be quick to say, oh, no, 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 no. God is within so why do you always position God without? I don't know why, except that's a function of the mind to do that projection. Well, one, one but I also want to add that what you were saying earlier just now about the tree of souls also, interestingly, uh, parallels the Kabbalistic idea of mm. the tree of life. Yes. So in fact, we have these very ancient wisdom traditions that keep, no pun intended, cropping up and uh, for us to take a look at that are really steering us in the right direction Mm -hmm. if we will allow ourselves to be steered. That symbology of the tree of life, for me, includes the roots as well as the branches. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, a connection deep into the earth as well as a connection high into the sky. And, and we have you know, we've created a split as well. with the yin and the yang. Yes. And we've created a split between heaven and earth, spirit and body. And as long as we have the split, we'll always create duality. Once we experience ourselves as the tree of life, roots going deep into the earth, branches going high into the sky, as both together being who we are. And then there's no duality. There's a sense that, yes, I am spirit having a great cosmic adventure in physical form. Well, you know, I want to just comment on that a little bit, and then I would like to actually come back to somewhere where we began having to do uh, with the effects of Pluto Hmm. in the upcoming years, not just limited to the United States and what that may mean, but actually planetarily, and I would love to hear what you have to say about that. Hmm. But first, just a quick, like, tributary on duality, uh, because duality is also given a bad name. <laughs> I know that sounds funny, but in certain circles, it's given a bad name, and I don't think that that's appropriate, because when we look at yin and yang, there is a magnificence and an appropriateness 
for there to be a yin and a yang. That isn't the problem. I would the say problem is that there is the neutral force, as we talk about it from the diet. There's an interpretation. There's an of, interpretation. So but, yin and yang. But you have to recognize there's a third force, and that is what's missing. That's the neutral force. Right. That is the combining of the two, mm. and that's what's missing. So then when that's not present in consciousness and in action, it looks like everything is flipping from one to the other without anything inside in the middle. But there is the neutral force, the third rail, so to speak, here, that is mitigating, modifying, and mediating the two. And when that is recognized, that's spirit, if you will. In the native tradition, that would be the heart. So the connection between earth and sky there you go. comes through the heart. Heaven and earth are Meeting. connected here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I just wanted to share yeah. that with you because... And I would also make a distinction between duality and polarity. Mm-hmm. So yin and yang are polarity. Yes. So what makes it a duality is when there's an interpretation and a judgment and a moral value placed on one over the other. That's so important. I think that's so important. And the older I get, or am I getting younger? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, the more I recognize, Kiara, the danger and toxicity, as well as the automaticity mm. of judgment. We, we don't even think about it. It just happens in a split instant. You know, the first now, thing you do when you see someone, something, there's, there's a judgment. There's, there's an a biology to it. Yeah. And I've thought about this at length. The biology is a survival mechanism. And what I believe, I'm running, I'd like to hear what you have to say about this, that judgment is the lower end, if you will, of discernment. Mm. But the judgment happens quickly, as you're saying, as we're both saying as a means of detecting danger. And since our brain and nervous system are completely wired to keep us alive moment to moment, literally, based on the functioning of the reptilian brain, the brainstem, it needs to see if there is danger in the field. When there isn't a sense of danger, we relax and we start to move into the mammalian and then the cerebral cortex and the prefrontal cortex and ultimately, God willing, to the heart. Okay? But judgment, even though it is um, a problem, obviously, it actually, if we recognize it as having a biological value and when we see that we're okay, we can then transcend it. And this is where slowing down the mind helps. Does that help? Does that accord with your understanding? I would say yes, and I would also distinguish between um, the reptilian brain and the mammalian brain in terms of how we interpret reality. Oh, by all means. So, you know, when. I'm talking about a very rudimentary judgment comes out of that rudimentary brain. But it becomes habitual. Danger, not danger. Exactly. So when it becomes habitual, then it becomes a psychological problem. problem. That's right. So that's why we need to be ever vigilant about we see the judgment, we recognize it, say thank you, I'm safe, thanks so much for weighing in, and now let's move on to love and compassion. Yeah, so then (laughs) you dissociate yourself from the past. 
the pastures where the judgments have so much capacity to injure us because exactly. we're trapped in that judgment drops. and it becomes a cycle and then we entrain. it becomes a loop that's right yeah we entrain with that so slowing down the mind basically yeah. is about compressing ourselves into the present moment so we're not trapped in the past we're not trapped into expectations of something in the future we're able to expand the moment of the present into infinity and that's why practices such as qigong Taiji Chuan, meditation, yoga, mm. are all practices of slowing down the mind to this rather refined, simple, and subtle level. The parasympathetic nervous system predominates over the sympathetic. That makes us more receptive, more resilient, more humane, and more heart-centered. Earlier when I mentioned the connection between the human soul and the elemental spirit. The elemental spirit is in charge of the parasympathetic nervous system, and the human soul is in charge of the sympathetic. So this is a way of bridging between them. Yeah. So you know, most of our awareness subliminally comes from the parasympathetic. It's only a very, very, very small fraction of our awareness that comes through the conscious mind, which is why, you know, our thoughts, our conscious thoughts have such little power to actually change our lives as long as we are affected and conditioned by Absolutely. everything else. Which is why in psychology and counseling and coaching and interacting with others that are change agents, we realize that we have to be working with the subconscious. And right. another way of really describing the subconscious is not just the mind, but the body. Because the memory is in the body, it's in muscle memory, right. literally. Which, by the way, to go back to something you were saying earlier, is an electrical phenomenon. Mm -hmm. We enervate mm -hmm. muscle mm -hmm. through nerves, which are, is the electrical system of the body. Fascinating. And, and the synapses in the brain function the same way. It's not about how many synapses you have, but the connections between the synapses. That's right. The neural network. The neural network. And it's the same neural network, whether it's individual within the human nervous system or collective in Gaia's nervous system. That's right. So it's actually fact, simultaneous. It's simultaneous. And and that's why I say that the role that humans have mm -hmm. within Gaia is to be the nervous system yes. of Gaia that can connect Gaia to worlds beyond cosmos. and worlds within. The whole cosmos is one. So when I say Gaia, I'm not just referring to the earth. You know, when the Incas talk about Pachamama, it's not just referring to the earth. It's all creation. Everything that has to do with physical matter is Pachamama, is Gaia, is the Excellent consciousness point. of the mother. And of, of, right. I was just about to say of the feminine principle. Yeah. And so when we look at our world, and how it has been dominated by the masculine energy and the masculine principle, which, by the way, is utterly beautiful, when mitigated by the feminine and left to its own, one of its boosters mm. is testosterone. And, of course, both genders, well, I guess I should say these days, all genders, of have all hormones to varying proportions, uh, there is, as far as I understand, a definite proportion, higher proportion 
of testosterone in men. And unmitigated, as I said, by the feminine hormones, um, it becomes irritating, annoying, and violent. Mm. It has tendencies toward domination. It becomes result-oriented rather it becomes than result -oriented just being also. present. Exactly. It's driven. And it's driven, and I always like to understand the biology behind it, mm. the survival mechanisms behind it. It's to feed, because everything is part of the food chain. Everything. And so the testosterone, mm. this is one way of understanding it, of the testosterone is driving the man toward feeding himself and his those in his nest. So in itself, it's not a bad thing. God knows we wouldn't want to be without testosterone, just like we don't want to be without a reptilian brain. Right. The beauty of a human... The balance is what's needed. Right. And the beauty of being a human is that we have been given these other brains right. that help to moderate, balance, mitigate, mediate. Well, and going back to what we started talking about, the magnetic reversal. Yes. You know, take the example of a computer that's not functioning as it should. You turn the system off. You reboot it. And it works. Yes. And the magnetic reversal is a reboot of our current matrix. It's like that entire magnetic field dissolves, goes to zero point, and reverses. And in the process, what happens is that Gaia's consciousness gets a reboot. And humans are able to then find their proper place within the whole, rather than seeing ourselves as top of the hierarchy and sort of becoming a, 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 becoming a cancer on this earth. But an integral part, in a democratic way, right. of the larger ecosystem. Yeah. Which, and that's really the truth. Which is necessary if you are to survive. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not worried so much about Gaia's survival. Oh, I'm not worried at all about But I'm worried about human species, survival. Yeah, yes. I'm concerned. And the, the, what gives me hope is that through all these cycles and through the evolutionary drive that Gaia herself is going through, um, there's a new human species, what I call Homo Luminous or the Divine Human, that's rising. And this is, this is not just a spiritual process, it's a biological process, which means that it's within our DNA. Every single human birth on this planet in this next cycle after the magnetic reversal is capable of rewiring ourselves into the field of Gaia. Mm. Um, so awesome. all these imbalances that we talked about, the masculine and feminine, the spirit versus matter, all these become unified within the heart. You know, the heart is a generator of magnetic fields. And, and so, electric. And electrical fields again. So, you know, when we have it functioning as it should in human biology, yes. then it's interesting to me how Earth, if you spell it, put the H at the end of Earth in the beginning, becomes heart. And so somehow they're linked. You know, if we're truly connected with the heart, we're connected with the earth. And we have to add an H, but you also get hearth. That's right. Where the home is, right? No, right. Home is where the heart is. If 
in our last minutes, I would like for you to address something we were talking about earlier regarding uh, our collective future and the year 2024. But mm-hmm. more than anything, let's just say the trend that you see we are on uh, astrologically, really as a species, mm-hmm. if you would. So, yes, you spoke about the the karma of the United States because of the 248-year cycle and uh, completing in 2024. Right. But... Um, then again, the entire world has a has a cycle as well. Right. So this is one of these cycles is a twelve thousand year cycle that has to do with magnetic reversals. Uh, it has to do with the rise and fall of civilizations or root races, um, and we are right at the turning point as we speak. Um, and this is something many prophecies around the world have spoken about. Is this related to about. also the yugas? Yes, yes. So the yuga, in the not in the classical system, which goes into millions of years, yes. but Sri Yukteswar's uh, interpretation, which is related to um, the... Small, smaller cycle? It's a smaller cycle of 24,000 years, twice 12,000, which has to do with... Our sun revolving around his twin sun, which, according to some, is serious. But as they move further apart and come closer in, there's more. We go through cycles of darkness and light. So it's not darkness and light in a moralistic sense, but in a sense of um, more physical light entering our solar system in response to the twin star, the energy of our twin star returning. So this also is very interesting because... What does that mean? What are the implications of that? The implications are that we are now returning... There's more light. Does it mean also more heat? We are returning... Well, it's not not heat so much as an inner radiance that goes from within. So we are receiving more cosmic radiation now as one effect of this galactic superwave that's coming in. It's changing things within the Earth. Some of the climate changes we're seeing are part of this, but it's changing things within our bodies. And if we are open enough, if our bodies can receive these cosmic rays and transform themselves into a new blueprint of consciousness, of awareness, this is, this is what Gaia is evolving humans towards. You know, some refer to the Homo Luminous, or uh, the um, Tyler de Chardin talks about the Omega um, point. Uh, there's a book. My one, my latest book is Homo Luminous, referring to this next biological species and practices we can do. Is this an adaptation to the? Uh, the harm that we have done to the earth or is this would this be happening anyway in other words Mm. if we were conscious over the past 200 years uh, about the effects of say fossil fuels Mm. or uh, commercial cattle farming or poultry raising commercially I mean on this vast methane producing level that is completely right. dangerous 
on all counts instead of a moderate way that cattle and chickens and the like have been in backyards of millions of houses and homes mm. and farms for countless it's generations. It's a centralization. Right. So therefore, the concentration of methane right. has done so much damage to our atmosphere and to the carbon load. Uh, had we been more aware and educated and not greedy and not stupid and not ignorant and all of that, for the last couple of hundred years. Mm. Would these biological changes be happening anyway as a function of evolution? Yes, yes. And I and I think I don't I don't make a I don't make a um value judgment around this and I'll tell you why. Um you know, the way Gaia has been evolving, there was a time when um oxygen was toxic. And so microorganisms were generating oxygen and basically wiping out the planet. And then nature evolved systems that could breathe in oxygen and release carbon dioxide. And then trees came along to take in the carbon dioxide and balance the release of oxygen. In the same, same way that anything that's toxic today can become a fuel for further evolution, I think the last 200 years of civilization, even though they've been very toxic to Gaia from a certain perspective, there's also an intelligence within Gaia. You know, because man is not a finished species. We are not done. Gaia is still working we on us. We might be done. We might be cooked if we continue doing what we're doing. Yes. But because we are not a finished species... It's like Gaia can use what we have today to move us to the next level of awareness. Hence co-creation. Co-creation. And and we have to play our part in this. We have to be able to open ourselves to make the connection with all that we are. And this is a conscious act. Um, I'll just say quickly that there's two books uh, that... Um, Please that came out this year. One is Gaia Luminous, the other being Homo Luminous. And they're the theory and the practice of what this new evolution would look like. Beautiful. Why don't you give reference to a website or two that if people were interested in, although we're going to make it available at a betterworld.tv as oh, well. Oh, great. So, kiarawindrider.net is my website. Um, Amazon has most of my books. Uh, com is also a place where people can order. Beautiful. Kiara, what a pleasure. Kiara Windrider. Indeed. Today. Yeah, we have our meetings in these exotic places, exotic places at the most auspicious times. <laughs> Thank you. And it's very always much. good to reconnect and to take it further. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. Thanks so much for joining us. Visit our website at www.abetterworld.tv, and I look forward to seeing you all next week.